Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. So I came across something very life-changing because I am at a point in my life that a lot of things are shifting. Perspectives, the way that I approach things. Um, I'm having, going undergoing a lot of personal development. And I think it all stems from maybe my expectation or my acceptance on how much preparation is needed to get to where you're going. You ever felt like you were in a season that you were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like how much longer, bruh? Like you wanted to go ahead and personally uh, call up Jesus, send him a text, whatever he answers faster in your realm and say, uh, real quick, can you tell God that like I'm over it? I don't really want to sit at this table and digest and dissect any more of this lesson, any more of this season. Like I'm done. I'm over it. So if you can just let him know to uh, finish up this chapter, this page real quick, let's end this. And I would like to start fresh, a new chapter, if you will, uh, tomorrow morning. That sounds good to you. Great. <laughs> I love doing business with you. Oh, by the way, you work on Calvary explicit like you you did your thing I ain't gonna hold you um but make sure that message gets to him okay thanks you ever felt like that you ever felt like honestly uh I think that I I got all that I'm willing to go ahead and take at this point um yeah I'm there and as you can tell by our prior conversations it's pretty much me talking about the career path that I'm taking, right? Here's the thing about me. I feel like an absolute alien in the workplace. I do. I'm just going to be unveiled to you. I am one of the few people, and it probably is more out there I have not yet met. Um, I'm the few people that I want to walk in excellence, that I want to do a great job, that I am not money hungry to the point that I'm willing to take anything to make a dollar, that I work with my heart, that I truly want to do my best work, that I truly want to make sure that what I'm doing is effective and it makes me feel like a good person, and that I also want to see other people win. That combo in itself makes me an alien. Like, I truly just feel like, you know what, I'm going to take myself to my own leader. I'm going to beat my own self up because the UFO, clearly, I think that I'm driving on pavement. No, I really should go ahead and just run out this UFO and just go ahead and accept the lifestyle that is all things alien. I have gotten to the point, and you can tell me if you've been here too, that you're just like, what I'm doing right now isn't it where I want to go seems so far away. And that in-between journeying from point A to point B just feels like you are walking through the desert looking for some form of an oasis. Have you ever felt that? Like, I'm here. I get it. I'm visible. I have a humble assessment of where I'm at. I know this is not my landing spot. I am destined, called and purpose to be over there. But like, um, I didn't know I was going to have to do all this legwork to get it. I didn't know that it was going to take this long to get there. And I also don't think that I have any more gas in me to keep this uh, fist bump, air bump, if you will, of encouragement for me to get there. Like, I'm tired like I want to quit but where I'm at is not comfortable but where I want to go seems so far away and when I think about that I think about 
Lot. Remember when the angels came down to Sodom and Gomorrah and they were like, look, we just finna go ahead and just burn this whole situation down. Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be Ash and Gomorrah. Have a nice day. And they told Lot to run <laughs> as fast as he could, as far as he could. And Lot had a humble assessment of himself. He was like, look, I am never 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 would have made it never, never. like he was og um marvin sap right he was like sir i'm not gonna make that okay great why don't you just let me go ahead and run to this place called zor like that's close i could make that um and i think that according to where i'm willing to go and how far i'm willing to take this that will be a good meeting place and the angels was like oh okay cool so ever since i saw that i understood that god does factor in what you believe you have in you he does because there's no way if I would have thought you know with me being an angel if I was sent there like if God said to do something so you don't get you don't get no um room and opportunity to say nothing back who are you sir then even thinking about you know Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel and the angel was like I beat listen the sun is getting ready to come up get off of me like what you doing and Jacob was like, nah, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Jacob, who you talking to? <laughs> like, the, why you have some? But the fact that the angel was able to look back down at Jacob and say, mm, I'm going to change your name to Israel because you have fought with God and won. Huh? You have wrestled with God and won. Huh? So wait a minute. God can factor in what it is that you feel that you have within yourself. Like you can say, God, I I really want to run that far. And he says, okay, I'll meet you where you're at. And you can say, no, God, I really want this. And he goes, mm, okay, I'll give you that too. Like you can really, you, you can have that kind of conversation with God. And the Holy Spirit was like, uh, yes, that's why it says asking you shall receive. You know, that's why in the parable of talents, the um, boss that was illustrated gave the talents according to the abilities of the person. So if he's giving something out and you're like, and you know, and it's a it's a 10 talent situation and you're like, no, sir, I only have two. And he's like, OK, well, operating your two or if he gives you two and you like, I feel like I got 10 in me. He's like, look at you with the faith. I think that the reason why we were able to see those illustrations is because they were direct reflection on those particular examples, direct reflections of their own personal faith. Lot had faith, but only faith that he can run but for so long. It wasn't a conversation back and forth when the angel was like, nah, you know, you can run further. You're made in God's image. He, it was like, okay, bro, if you feel like you only run that far, then that's cool. Jacob had the faith of like, no. If I'm going to go ahead and wrestle, if I'm going to go ahead and have some sweat, blood, and tears in this situation, I want my reward for my wrestling. So, no, you're going to bless me. No more times am I taking no more L's. You are going to bless me. And it was like, oh, I will, but I will also change your name because never <laughs> has this happened before. So, okay, great. And so I had to go back into myself and say, how long are you willing to give a situation? What's your assessment of yourself? And I think I told you this part. I was looking at this, um, and I don't want to chop up his name. It's a Christian rapper by the name of to Toby Nguyen. You remember, do you, you ever heard of him? 
He was the one that brought a lot of shine to the Breonna Taylor cops getting arrested. But one of my personal favorites, he made up um, that little snippet, try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. You know, it's a spiritual um, uh, hymn, if you will. Hymnal is what I learned the word is from one of my coworkers. But he, I saw a clip with him, and I may have told you this. Stop me if I have. Where he said, because I don't know if you know, he was in the line of getting ready to go to the NFL. He either played in it a season or was very much getting ready to be official. And he had an injury. And that injury cost him that, you know, that career path. He couldn't go anymore because it was like, yeah, buddy, you went ahead and tore your, I, I believe it was his Achilles. Achilles. I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on that. But he definitely had an injury that took him out of that particular career path. And so he decided he wanted to open up a nonprofit, got with some people. They saw some of his talent and was like, I really think that you should, you know, ensue the, the rapping thing. And he said that he told them directly, no, I don't want to rap. I want to do the nonprofit. And they were like, but what if the rapping brings the finances to the nonprofit? And he was like, now that you put it that way, I'm going to go ahead and try the rapping. And so I remember him saying in a clip that he had a conversation with God and he said, I will give this 10 years of everything that I have. And after 10 years, if I don't yield the result that I want, I'm going to walk away and I'm done. And I thought even that was dope. You were willing to give a decade to something. I was like, wow. And then I had to think to myself, how long are you willing to give the thing that you desire? How long are you willing to continue to press toward the mark of your purpose and your promise in the heart, the desire that God put in your heart? How long are you willing to give it? You would be shocked by the amount of time people have put into their purpose. It would almost make you feel a little bit of a shame. Do you know how long it took Noah to build that ark? When you hear it as a kid, you thinking that it was just, okay, a quick little, you know how they throw up these new houses, 30 to 90 days, whatever, and then all the different birds and animals and species, insects, all of them come, and then God went ahead and closed the door. That's what it said in Genesis, right? And then, um, yeah, the flood came, and then that was just it, like, right? That was like, what, maybe like 30, maybe 45 days max? No. Try years. Try several decades. Try in the area ballpark of about 50 to 70 years. From the time that God spoke to him to the time that he built to the time that it was, okay, now you can go ahead and have all the animals come to the time that God closed it to the time that the range, that was in the ballpark of five to seven decades. Let me, let me I'm sorry, five zero. And seven zero De- years. Okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> what kind of heart did you need to have to say after year one, year two of not seeing any rain in sight, not seeing that a near gray cloud? As a matter of fact, it's been so crystal clear in these skies. You almost like, did I hear God right? Like, I know I heard the, like, gulf of wood and the cubic units and the three layers and the window, but maybe I was dreaming. Like, maybe what I thought um, it's not really what's, what's coming to pass. Like, or maybe God gave it to me, but I'm supposed to tell my sons because they're younger and they're probably going to outlive, you know, you know, however long I'm going to be living. And 
there you see that small little window of talking yourself out of something because the results is not as promising or as prompt as you would have desired. Do you see that small little window to say, mm, or to feel like, you know what, I, I've been at this long enough where you, you actually build the case for yourself that you like, look, you don't put 20 years into it. That should have been enough, right? And maybe it doesn't work out the way that the rapper Toby said, y'all, I'm going to give it 10 years and, you know, and whatever happens, happens. Just so happens that within his 10 years that he got his heart's desires. Maybe that was a conversation that was, because God says, if you ask for anything in Jesus' name, you ask for anything, and as long as you don't have no doubt in your heart, it will be done. So maybe his pure-hearted prayer was, God, I only got 10, 10 good years to give this. Maybe if he said, God, as long as it takes, if that was a doubt in his heart, if that was in the truth, if he's praying with an untruth on his tongue, I don't think God would have honored that. Just like I think that the angels honored Lot saying, bro, I can't run that far. And they was like, you know what? <laughs> I respect your honesty because you know what? The human instinct and human wiring doesn't appear to be uh, the most, mm, how you say, truthful species. Like you saw what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. It was like, bro, why didn't you just tell the truth? Take some accountability. Say, you know what, God, honestly, um, can you just put like a door or like a cherubim or like some type of laser beam around the tree? Because honestly, I think that I'm, I'm going to be a little bit inquisitive. Like, I don't know. It just looks so pretty. Like, or at least make it gray or something that's not so pretty. Like, you you put all this color and shine and, and you know, the twinkle, and it's going pink in my eyes and stuff. And I just think that you should, you know, based upon my wiring and my truth, I'm probably going to touch it, and I'm probably going to try to eat it, and I'm also probably going to try to give some to my husband. So help me out <laughs> because I know my truth. Okay, Gray? Like, how freeing would that be to have those kind of conversations with God? And I tell you the truth, what really brought me to this is that I read one sentence that actually changed my whole perspective on this whole waiting game on your promise. I tried to read the rest of the chapter, didn't work out well. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the truth. I read 1 Kings 7, the first chapter. <laughs> Couldn't even read the rest. You know I read in the NLT version, let's just jump right into it. Solomon also built a palace for himself, and it took him 13 years to complete the construction. Couldn't even read past that. You know why? Because I just read in the chapters before that, that it took Solomon seven years to build the Lord's palace. So I said, time out. I had to find out and do the math for myself. I said, how long did Solomon reign? He reigned for 40 years. Okay. So if I take away the seven years that he built the palace for the Lord. Okay, great. And then if I take the 13 years that he built the palace for himself. Bruh spent 20 years, half of his decade, just building. I need you to hear that. He reigned for a total of 40 years. But seven of those years, he built the temple of the Lord. Because remember, his father David wanted to do it. And God was like, I absolutely cannot let you do that. I'm sorry. Um, but what I can do is let your son do it. And so David was like, cool, then I'll just get all the resources together so my son can do it. Then he went ahead and put another 13 years, okay, a decade plus, to build in his own palace. Half of his reigning 
era of being a king was dedicated to building. And it hit me like a freaking Mack truck, rebuking the name of Jesus, but it dropped and downloaded into me heavy that we don't spend enough time building before we get to the promise. I think that it's a cultural thing that we put more emphasis in results than we do on building. We take more emphasis on, oh, that's going to take too long. But we don't understand that sustainability comes from how much and how in depth you put into the building years. Like I always go back to the fact that Jesus didn't start his ministry until 30 And he was the word made flesh, but he could have came out as the first infant to ever have teeth, to ever be walking, to know the word of God and to go ahead and be preaching from, from birth, sir. But he knew that process. Humans don't really respect that. And so, you know, you, we, we probably could have respected him at 12 when he told Mary and, and, um, um, When they lost him, you knew I was going to be in my father's house. Like, why was that even a confusion? (laughs) You know what I'm doing. So we knew that he even then had a very clear calling. Like, I know what I am. I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. He could have did it at 12. Will we have respected him at 12? Probably not so much. Will we have respected him in the 20s? Mm, You know, just probably. And so I'm, I'm wondering, God, why did you strategically make it at 30? Because you know what I went ahead and did? Because that 40 years with Solomon was kind of like, wait a minute. So how old was he? Do you know that Solomon was 12? Yes, 12 years old. You know 12-year-olds who don't even brush their teeth and wash up good. Yet Solomon was called the wisest and the wealthiest man ever. In his time, in his era, right? So my thinking was, well, Jesus could have did it at 12 if Solomon was heavily respected. But I think that God really wanted to illustrate it with those different examples with Solomon being 12. I even read in Kings, I think it was a king named Asa. He was eight. But I think God gave the different ages and all of that to show you can't put a cap on when I decide to make you great. It has nothing to do with where you're at in life and how old you are and where you came from and your experiences and your credentials it has everything to do with how he can shape your heart, how do, how plugged in you are to knowing that God is not only your director, he's your only resource. And when God feels like he is ready to rise you up, those are really honestly the only qualifi- qualifications that you need. And so my thing was, okay, So I needed to hone in more on the Jesus thing. And I'm like, if I could go ahead and put a formula to, because you know how I think, to debunk this whole, how much longer, God? How long would it take? If I can just change that Egyptian murmuring mindset and put it in a formulated equation, how would I go ahead and execute that and put pen to paper so that it makes visual sense to me? And the Holy Spirit dropped this on me. The first thing that people need in order to continue to pursue what God has for them, to continue to pursue their promise and their passions, is confirmation. You cannot do anything with lasting fruit without the initiating most informative step of confirmation. Not only within yourself, 
it, that's the most important one. But when it's extra, where somebody else kind of knows it too, I think that you should go ahead and just praise God for it even being something that somebody else can touch and agree on you on. Like the fact that Jesus knew his assignment, but Mary knew it before Jesus came. Like the angel came to her and was like, look, you're going to have a boy. He's the savior of the world. His name is going to be Jesus. It was like, oh, my goodness. And that is why when that conversation that Jesus and Mary had at the wedding at Cana, when she was like, go ahead and do what you do, boy. Turn that um, Do that thing that you do with that water and that other thing that I know you can do. He was like, dear woman, it's not my time. And she was like, oh, okay, I just. The excitement of her knowing, like, I know my baby is. Like, you ain't never seen an excited mom. You don't have some people that was like, look how cute my baby is. And hide your daughters, like, whatever. Like, she was on a whole different path. She was on a, look, my baby can do some stuff with water. Listen, go ahead and, um, Jesus, stay out of water real quick. Look at my baby. Are you not going to do it? Disciples, whatever he tell you to do, go ahead and do it. Like, a mother's excitement? You don't know nothing about it. But the fact that they both knew, I know what you're capable of, even if the disciples who have been following you, even if everyone at this wedding who invited you here don't know your capabilities, I know the calling on your life. And even if it's just the two of us touching an agreement, the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. So as long as there's two people there, and even if you don't have a second, you have the Holy Spirit who is your tutor that you can touch and agree with whatever God confirmed in your heart. You need confirmation. Do you remember what happened when uh, Jesus was walking around and John finally saw him and was like, this is the man I was telling y'all about. <laughs> um, this is the man. And Jesus was like, cool, now that you know that I know that you know, go ahead and baptize me real quick. And John was like, oh, no, I can't. I'm not, bro, I'm not qualified to do that. The qualification came in the fact that John had confirmation. Then if that was something that nobody didn't recognize, the confirmation was when God opened up the sky and was like, this is my son who I'm well pleased. If that wasn't confirmation when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on his shoulder, it was like that was confirmation. If that wasn't confirmation enough when the Spirit led him to the wilderness to go get tested, it's the confirmation. The confirmation is what you need to initiate the prompting of the promise. Hmm. Did you get confirmation yet? The thing that you're holding on to God about, the thing that your heart desires, the thing that you're getting frustrated, go back to, did you get confirmation? If you have, check mark. You're already halfway there. If you have not, go back and ask. God is not a God that he's going to keep secrets from you, okay? He wants you to know his plan as much as he wants any, he, he knows the plan. He wants you to know it because at this point, he needs you to carry it out. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans that I have for you. But I think even more, he wants you to know it too because it's a co-partnership. I believe that. I believe he didn't make us robots on purpose because he wants you to use your free will to actually walk out his will for your life. You see what I'm saying? The second most important, because I feel like it's three, second most important thing that you need to go ahead and factor in before you start asking the question and getting drowned in, God, how much longer will it take? It's preparation. The waiting era is not to frustrate you. The, and I had to remind and encourage myself on this. 
Because I'm like, look, I'm ready to get up out of this job. I'm ready to get up out of this season. I'm ready to get up out of this seat because I know I have more in me. I know I have promise in me. I know I have riches in me. I know I have wealth in me. I, I am a walking blessing distribution center. I know what I have. And yet I am at an entry level position trying to serve in the capacity that I know I have more, but they require less of me. And that may not be your story. You may be somewhere that you're like, I feel like I waited enough. Okay, I feel like this waiting room is getting too cold and it's not another blanket, another pair of socks, another anything that can warm me up. I am done being cold. Whatever your waiting period looks like for you, I want you to flip that script and I want you to remind yourself that it is preparation. The wilderness, we just had a conversation about it. It's not to torture you. It's not for you to die in. It's not for you to feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't wait to get out. It's not for you to rush it. It's the preparation of it all. You know what the uh, hardest part of cooking is? Like, if, you don't, if you're not really a cooker, you know what the part that you like, man, if you was to show someone who never cooked a certain meal, let's say someone who's never done a Thanksgiving by themselves, and they just decided one year, you know what, I want to go ahead and host a Thanksgiving at my home. You know what the most difficult, time-consuming portion of Thanksgiving is? And I know you probably already got to it in your head, like, hmm, yep, you're right. Preparation. Mac and cheese, cutting up the cheese. You know, the cleaning of the meats, whatever the meats that you have and you, whatever, the things that you don't skip out on and, and outsource and buy it out somewhere else. Cause you're like, look, I'm not, I'm not doing all that. The collard greens, how long that has to, you have to cook that thing literally for two hours to get it to the taste and the tenderness and the texture and all of that. Like if you really set back to like all these different dishes require a different level of preparation, but none of these dishes you can just eat straight out the box and get the same experience as a hefty Thanksgiving meal. So why do we try to rush God? Why do we want these Thanksgiving feast blessings with this microwavable time frame? Why do we ask God either in our own prayers or through our emotional temper tantrums? Why do we ask him, hurry up? I don't want to wait any longer. Let me explain something to you. I have seen different posts on Thanksgiving when people are like, it's five o'clock, still not eating, bruh. I heard the complaining, but I never saw that the complaining rushed to cook. I never saw that it was like, you know what? I know y'all don't want to wait anymore. We'll just eat whatever's available. Or you know what? I'll just take whatever the chicken and turkey is at right now, whether it's cooked or not. I see that you're getting frustrated. I'll just take it out and we'll just eat right now. Why wouldn't a good cook do that? Any idea? Because it will make the person that they're serving sick. So all the preparation was in vain. So all the gathering of all the ingredients, the cost that it went into it, the fight of trying to get things that are scarce around a certain time period, all the things that went into preparation just went in vain because you didn't want to wait anymore. So if a good cook wouldn't do that, do you think that God would do that to you? Like, realistically, you think that God would do that? Like, you know what? I, I, I see that you, you're done being pregnant. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. You've been having morning sickness. It's okay. Listen, whatever the baby is at right now, we're going to go ahead and just do it. We're going to have you give birth at two months. No. 
Listen, I know that you're uncomfortable. There's things that we can do to kind of encourage and, and, and cushion you through it. But the one thing that I'm not going to do is delay something or to uh, prematurely give it to you because a, a blessing that is not completed is a burden. A blessing at the wrong time is a burden. There is a time clock that goes into your receiving of your blessing. And so when I seen preparation differently, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I feel like I need to go ahead and repent. And I'm going to do it now that I'm on the phone with you. Holy Spirit, I repent that I've been emotionally having this difficult time. That emotionally I've been asking God secretly to hurry up. That emotionally I've been saying, I don't want to be in this place of preparation anymore. I'm not going to rush God anymore. That is immature Christianity. I'm not going to do it. As a matter of fact, right before picking up this phone to call you, that's what led me to picking up this phone because I wrote in my book to myself that I'm writing to myself and to God at the same time. I said, God, however long it takes you, however long you see fit, finish your work. Don't mind my human nature to respond to, you know, this is uncomfortable. And I, I don't think that God looks down at us and goes, that's ridiculous because Jesus did the same thing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if this if this cup can be taken from me, that was his way of being like, ooh, if I can just fast forward through some parts, because I know Calvary getting ready to be crucial, bro. So I, I understand that God is not looking at us like, <laughs> you're supposed to be a little bit stronger than that. I, I think he understands that we're, we're clay and that he's the potter. I think he understands that part. But I want us to understand that preparation is necessary necessary the third thing that's necessary so we got the, the confirmational piece we got the preparation and now the third most important ingredient to understanding your purpose and walking it out and all of that culminated is dedication and I think that the re is in that order or the Holy Spirit gave it to me in that order of confirmation, preparation, and then dedication. Because you cannot dedicate your life to something that you didn't get confirmation on first by God. It is very hard to stay in a marriage that you don't feel like God told you that that was your spouse. It is very hard to stay at a job when there's turbulence and there's toxic, a toxic work environment. It's very hard to stay in that if you don't feel like God said, no, that's where you're supposed to be in a season. It is very difficult to love on somebody who feels like a porcupine in the emotional realm if you don't feel like God assigned you to do a thing. You need that confirmational piece in the beginning. It is required. Required. It is a necessity. And then the preparation part, I feel like that is the portion that we absolutely need that is the most crucial. Because let me explain something to you. I have never seen someone gather all the funds that's needed to prepare a meal or gather all the funds that was needed to go ahead and buy a present or gather all the funds that it was needed to put down on a down payment on a house or whatever you had to do to manually put something out to go ahead and gather something. It'd be a long time and for you to just decide, and eh, you know, know what forget it something about preparing for your blessing makes you almost inclined to stick it out it's like bro if you went through the pain of labor if you went through the pain of contractions don't you want the beauty of bringing home what you birthed 
And not just in the child realm. If you went through the pain of going through school, if you went through the pain of, of, of finally making those payments and, and, and typing up those papers late night and, and telling your social media group or your, your social entertainment life, you know, you got to take a back seat to this thing that I'm doing. If you experience the pain of all that, don't you want the, the gift of seeing what you birthed? Don't you want that? Do you understand that what God put on you with the desire of your heart, your purpose, your calling and all of that, it is going to require that you dedicate the rest of your life to that. And the one thing that trips people up is that they didn't hear confirmation from God. It was the confirmation from the money. They saw, ooh, they saw the, the glitz, the, the fame, whatever it was. They got the wrong confirmation. You don't get confirmation from flesh. You get that from God. That you don't get your preparation just one, two, three. Something that you prepared 10 minutes for don't really have a lasting effect on you. You're like, listen, I get, I get 10 minutes. I get a lot of 10 minutes in a day. Like, I get 24 hours. I could, I could take 10 minutes, but something that took you years? No, that's not replaceable. No, 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 no. I prepared to be a wife, okay? I prepared to be a mother, I prepare. There are some things that I prepared and I don't shape myself up. I don't let God shape me. I don't look at resources. I don't took counseling sessions. I don't did a lot of different things. And what I planted and the things that I prepared, nobody gets to steal that from me. I will wait till I see something sprout before I walk away from this whole garden like I didn't put nothing in it. I need us to realize that we're asking the wrong questions and we're putting the highlight in the wrong areas. We are putting the highlight in the results and we are not highlighting that you need the beginning three portions, the first stage, the beginning portion, but the three sections of confirmation, preparation, and then dedication because the thing that you will be doing for the rest of your life will be floating on these three steps that you took to get to the stage. Once you get up on this stage, you're performing for the rest of your life. Don't you want to make sure that you walked on the right stage, that you walked on the right stage with the right tools in you, that God is with you, that you have what's needed in you, and now you get to dedicate the rest of your life for doing your God-given gift? Don't you want that? Isn't the most embarrassing thing for someone to get on the stage ill-prepared? Isn't the most embarrassing thing ever for someone to get fame, fortune, being notoriety, whatever it is, isn't it like secondhand embarrassment to see, oh my gosh, they wasn't ready and you can tell? Do you want that for your life? Right, I don't think any of us do, not anyone who's sane. And so I want us to get to a place that we start understanding that there's steps before the stage, that there are things that have to be done behind the scenes before we put on a lifelong performance. I need us to understand that. Do you see what I'm saying? I pray that you got exactly what you needed. I wasn't going to do a whole bunch of screaming and, you know, carrying on and all of that because I feel like some things you just need to hear a steady pace of listen to God speaking through me. I know that I know that I know that as I'm talking, he gave you exactly what you needed. You know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everyone is going to give to you, not everyone's going to have with you, so you might as well keep picking up your phone for your favorite homegirl because who else going to talk to you the way that I do? But I feel like you got what you needed. So 
what I'm going to go ahead and do is, um, yeah, I'm going to let you let me go. And um, we're going to talk later. But if nothing at all, that was for me. Mm, that was for me. Isn't God good? Let the shirt say amen. Hmm? Amen? <laughs> amen. Later. <laughs>